All right. Well, welcome again. Virtual fist bump. It's great to have you here with us. You know, uh, I was thinking this week about growing up. I was uh, thinking back to uh, the experience I had growing up, and I grew up in the country, and sometimes kids who grow up in the country, they have to find ways to uh, kind of entertain themselves. They have to find things to, to do, and sometimes that would cause them to get into a little bit of trouble. Me and my friends, we weren't any different than a lot of other kids, and one of the, the things that we did, and, and most of the time it was out of fun, most of the time it was towards our friends, every once in a while it might have been towards people that we were frustrated with for whatever reason, but when I was in junior high and high school, we would go out and we would TP people. Maybe you've done that yourself. Uh, we would toilet paper people, take toilet paper, throw it up into their trees, make a big mess in their front yard, and uh, again, it was mostly out of fun, but I was thinking back to those moments, and, and I just want to, you know, one, confess that, and two, to those of you who I did participate in TPing or toilet paper, and I just want to say this to you today, um, I'm going to need that back. Okay, I, I'm going to need that back if that's okay. It, you might have thought that it was a gift, but it was actually a loan, and I'd like to call that loan back here today. You know, uh, of course, uh, we're joking, and of course, that there's, there's a lot of different things that are floating around, and I think during times like this, of course, it's serious, but we also need to have a little bit of fun in the midst of that. And, and I was also just thinking about that story and thinking about how our perspectives can change pretty drastically, right? I mean, uh, a few months ago, toilet papering somebody would have been something that might have been kind of funny, and now we're like, no way that you should waste that type of stuff. And of course, uh, on much bigger issues, uh, this is a time where our perspectives have probably changed a lot. Our, our world has changed a lot right before our eyes in a way that really, honestly, nobody has ever seen before. I've talked to older generations and younger generations during this time. Said, have you ever seen anything like it? And the answer is always no. And so our perspectives are, are constantly changing in life. But, but here's the, the really cool and the really powerful thing that we're going to see from Scripture today. And this is the big idea. We normally have a big idea here at HGO, and I want to share the big idea with you today as you're joining us. The big idea is this. No matter what the chaos of our world may throw at us, God is always enough. No matter what chaos exists in our world around us, no matter the changing of the perspectives and the situations that we may see, no matter what type of chaos goes on in the world around us, God is always enough. And today we're looking at a psalm, Psalm 16. Uh, many of our H2O churches and our church here in Bowling Green, we've been going through this series in the psalms where we've been really just diving into what does it look like to pray? What does it look like to connect with God? Not just on a, on a head level, but on a heart level. And, and it's been a, a powerful time. And we're wrapping up our psalm series here today. And we're going to look at Psalm 16. When we started off the series, we talked about uh, the reality of, of trying to categorize all these different psalms because the the book of Psalms is just a bunch of individual Psalms put together, and they're, they're oftentimes prayers, they're oftentimes Psalms of worship, Psalms that, that point us to God. Sometimes they're Psalms of lament, where we're crying out to God. But one of the, the types of Psalms that we haven't got a chance to look at yet in this series, but we will look at today in Psalm 16, is a prophetic Psalm, or sometimes called a messianic Psalm, where it directly correlates 
to the coming of Jesus and the reality of the gospel and how Jesus gives us abundant life. And Psalm 16 is not only going to fix our eyes on, on God and help us point to him as we seek to worship him in a different context in our world right now, but it's also going to point us to Jesus and what he's done for us and how we can have abundant and eternal life in him. So I'm really excited to jump in. If you have your Bibles and you want to pull them up and open them, if you follow along on your, your phone, um, or if you, you have a paper Bible, that would be great to, to open that up as well. But we're going to be in Psalm 16, and uh, I want to read it together as we get started off. And, and we're going to stop a number of different times throughout the psalm, and we're going to kind of pull some different things out. Uh, it starts off with this in Psalm 16, verse 1. It says, Keep me safe, my God, for in you I take refuge. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I have no good thing. David says a phrase that I wouldn't be surprised if many of us have prayed throughout these last few weeks and, and months. And maybe we pray it oftentimes, but maybe even more now. He says those words, keep me safe, God. And I think, I don't want to make this whole sermon about the coronavirus, but it is a pretty massive thing going on in our world right now, right? And so when David says those words, keep me safe, it's interesting because I've almost felt like there's been times where people throughout this crisis have tried to guilt some people if they're experiencing any type of fear or if they're experiencing any type of prayer requests of God, would you keep me safe? But here we see David, a man after God's own heart, praying and saying those words, keep me safe. So that is a, a very appropriate prayer during this time. You know, you don't have to be a fearful person to, to, to have a, a little bit of fear. The Bible talks about not being a person that has a spirit of fear. We can't have fear run our lives and run the decisions that we make, but a little bit of fear is a natural human emotion. So don't feel guilt if you feel a little bit of fear during this time, but turn that fear over to the Lord like David is doing here. He says, God, keep me safe. But then do you see what he does? Instead of just fixating on the problem, God, keep me safe. I don't know what I'm going to do. Instead of just fixating on the problem right away in verse 2, he turns his attention from his fears, from his need for safety to the Lord. And he says to the Lord, you are my Lord. Apart from you, I do literally good thing. Man, what, what a powerful phrase. God, uh, apart from you, literally, there is nothing good. But I know that in you, there are so many good things. And so as David fixes his eyes, not just on his, his fear or his problems or his need for safety, he turns it to, to the Lord. He starts to be thankful and one of the, the just practical ideas I have for my own life, just even yesterday as I was finishing up my prep for this, and I'm going to try it, and maybe even it's something that you could try too, is throughout this time when we're oftentimes at home or maybe we're with our family a little bit more, what would it look like just every day to write down the things that this quarantine and that this situation has forced us to do but we're actually thankful for? What if you just kept kind of, kind of like a running chart of the good things that are happening right now because of the situation that we're in. Of course, there are some bad things and there are some hard times and there may be more hard times to come. But what are the good things that are happening in this moment? Time with family, recognizing the people that you love. You know, I look around this church and there's only a handful of us here, but one of the good things I've seen in our church is just the amazing servants we have on our staff team that love people and that are just so willing to sacrifice and have stepped up to meet needs to get the gospel out to you, to the rest of our world. That is a good thing that I want to be thankful for. So what are the good things that this situation has brought? And then let's 
Praise God for those good things. Every day, just stop and think. And if a new thing comes to your mind, write it down. And so when you go to pray, you can be reminded of all the good that God is doing in the midst of this circumstance. Let's jump back in. Psalm 16 and verse 3, David now says this. He says, I say of the holy people who are in the land, they are the noble ones in whom is all my delight. Those who run after other gods, they will suffer more and more. I will not pour out libations of blood to such gods or take up their names on my lips. For, Lord, you alone are my portion and my cup. You make my lot secure. See, David is essentially trying to encourage us through this psalm, be careful who and what you give your time to. And that's something that we can always learn, right? And I think especially now. Be careful who and what you give your time to. First, David says that he delights in God's holy people. You know, David is talking about the the delight that he has from surrounding himself with people who love God, who are holy, so to speak, who are trying to live their life in a pattern with the Lord. And he says, man, that brings me delight. And then he kind of contrasts that with another group of people. He says, not everybody is in that camp, though. There is this other group of people who are running after gods, and they will oftentimes suffer. And so even in the midst of being quarantined, maybe, or being a little bit alone, have you been able to surround yourself with people of God? whether it's with, through technology, whether it's through other means to try to connect with them in a safe way. Well, you know, we were built for community. I think that's one of the things that's, that's hard about this season is we don't get to experience it, but there's, there's ways that we can seek to encourage one another and push one another towards Jesus during these moments. But we also need to make sure that we're careful as to what we allow into our hearts and into our minds. You know, it's so true that a, a crisis like this, it kind of shines a bright light into what we really value, into who we run to in times of trouble, doesn't it? And, and crises like this really do bring out these idols. David uses that word that there's these idols or there's these false gods. And an idol is something that's talked about oftentimes in Scripture. And, and, and really an idol is anything that replaces the one true God in our lives. And, and the most prevalent form of idolatry in Old Testament times was like these, these images that were made. Maybe it would be a golden calf or maybe it would be some type of statue. And people would literally like bow down to these images and, and they would hope and pray that there was some type of power that would come through those. And, and I venture to say that not a lot of us are, are bowing down to golden you know, calves or, or statues during this time. But, but I do wonder if we're tempted to run to other things than the true God during these times of crisis. I wonder if we're tempted to run to things like comfort. I wonder if we're tempted to, to, to feel the need to control things. I wonder if we're tempted to put things in the place of God. That, that when we look back on it, we'll say, man, that was so silly. Of course those things don't have any power, but, but the, the reality is we have to be careful of what we give our time and our energy to during these times. And so let's find ways to, to build our lives around people who are pointing us to God rather than people who are encouraging us to worship other things. Maybe not physically bow down to them, but give all our time, energy, and emotion to those idols that are so tempting in our world, in our life. David warns us of that, and I think it's a, a legitimate concern that all of us need to focus on even now. Let's jump back in. It. In verse 6, David says this. He says, The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a, a delightful inheritance. 
I will praise the Lord who counsels me. Even at night, my heart instructs me. I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body will rest secure. David says, and as we started off our worship service today, we we said this verse 8, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. What a a beautiful phrase and reminder for this time that, that we're in, even right now. You know, I've shared about this before for some of you who, who know me, but uh, two years ago, my daughter and I got to go to Guatemala on a mission trip, and she was going to go again this year with my wife, and unfortunately, they would be there right now, but we had to cancel the trip, obviously, because all international travel got shut down. But when we went two years ago, it was, it was a stretching time for, for me because Allison was only 11 at that time. And, and so when she was 9, she really wanted to go. And we said, ah, oh, you're, you're too young. And then when she was, was 10, she really wanted to go. And we said, ah, oh, I just don't know if you're ready. And finally, we couldn't hold her off any longer. You know, she kept begging us to go. And so uh, when she was 11, you know, I said, okay, we can go. But there's a couple different requirements. The first requirement was that I had to go with her, obviously. I wasn't going to ship my 11-year-old off to a, a country that, that I didn't know a whole bunch about without me. And, and Guatemala is an amazing amazing place and the ministry that we have and partner with down there hope renewed is an amazing place but it's dangerous place as well like a a lot of places are and so uh, it was agreement that one I would have to go with her and two this is the agreement that we have while we were down there we were down there for like eight days I always have to be able to have my eyes on you (laughs) So you're my little girl. I love you. This is more dangerous of a place than it may look like at times, even though we were protected and taken care of. So uh, the deal is you get to go, but I need to always be able to see you. You know, I I don't want to be out of, you don't have to be right next to me the whole time, but I want to be able to have a, a line of sight where I can make sure that you're safe. And David kind of uses that same type of analogy. You know, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. And for me, with Allison, that gave me comfort because I felt like I, if I could see her, then, then I could know what she was doing and I could know what's going on and I could make sure that we, she was safe and protected. And it was probably more for me than her because it just helped me feel better. But I wonder about in these times, you know, do you have that same mindset with God? God, I'm, I'm in this situation that's a little bit scary, that maybe feel, who knows, a little bit dangerous, whatever the case is, but God, I'm going to fix my eyes on you. God, I'm going to always make sure that no matter what happens during this time, I'm going to be able to, to connect with you. God, I'm going to be able to make sure that I can cry out to you. And of course, here's the, the beautiful thing, and this is kind of a cheesy saying, but it's so good to, to, to remind ourselves of, you know, that, that God isn't quarantined during this time. We may have to be separated from people, but, but God doesn't abide. We fix and lock our eyes on him. So in terms of God, he is right there with us. The question is, will we fix and lock our eyes on him? Will we fix our eyes and focus on him every moment of every day? And that's something that should happen in our lives all the time. But this type of situation gives us the ability to press into that because it allows us to see our need for him even more than ever. So our hope and our prayer is that our eyes would always be fixed on him. And let's close with this last part of this psalm. In verse 10, it says, Because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead, nor will you let your faithful ones see decay. 
You make known to me the path of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence, with eternal pleasures at your right hand. And, and I think, wow, what a, a beautiful idea that David is crying out and saying, listen, God, you will fill me with joy in your presence. To know that we can have joy even in moments of hardship and even in moments of pain, even in moments where we need protected, as David started off this psalm praying for, even in moments where we may be a little fearful. But I, I said at the beginning of this message that this psalm points us directly towards Jesus. And here's the, the really cool thing. Uh, those exact words were reused by the apostle Peter when he was preaching the gospel at the very beginning of the church in Acts chapter 2, verse 26. Again, you can jump there with me or you can just, just follow along as I read it. Acts chapter 2, verse 26, Peter is preaching to a crowd right after Jesus had just been raised from the dead and taken into heaven after he had rose from uh, the grave. In verse 26, it says, Therefore my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices my body will rest in hope because, here's the words that were just spoken in Psalm 16, because you will not abandon me to the realm of the dead. You will not let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life, and you will fill me with joy in your presence. Peter is quoting that psalm, and then he goes on to say in Acts chapter 2, verse 29, says, fellow Israelites, he's preaching to a bunch of people who have a Jewish background, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died and was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet, and he knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was to come, he spoke about the resurrection of the Messiah, Jesus, that he was not to abandon the realm of the dead, nor his body to see decay. God raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father a promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear, for David did not ascend to heaven. And so what Peter is saying is, as David was writing in Psalm 16, thousands of years before Jesus came, God put it on his heart to say those words to point us to Jesus, that Jesus would go to the grave, but he would not be abandoned to the realm of the dead. He would defeat death, rise from the grave, and give us all an opportunity to experience abundant life. Abundant life that starts now, at the moment when we place our faith and trust in Jesus, and that continues on to eternity. What a powerful promise. And, and as Peter was preaching those words, and, and you just had to imagine people just being cut to the heart because they knew David and they knew that psalm, and now they're seeing, wow, that psalm was talking about this Jesus who they had just seen and heard about raising from the dead. The people that Peter was preaching to, they said, it says they were cut to the heart. And they asked the question, what should we do? And Peter says, Repent and be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. And it says that thousands of people did that on that day. And they accepted Christ. And they turned their life over to Jesus. And they experienced abundant, eternal life. You know, as we close here today, that's kind of our prayer for all of us. That these times, that this psalm, that the word of God, they point us towards our need for Jesus. And so, if you're somebody who's never put your faith and trust in Christ, I can tell you today that God loves you, that God cares for you, and that Jesus rose from the dead to defeat any trial, any circumstance that you may be experiencing so that you can have abundant life. 
All you need to do is repent. Turn from your sin. Say, God, I need you. I can't do it on my own. I need you to wipe away and cleanse my sin. I put my faith and trust in you. And when we do, we get to experience that abundant life. And if you've already done that, if you've already experienced that, this is a time for you to look at your life and say, God, fill me with joy in your presence. We have an opportunity to be in the presence of God every moment of every day. He's poured out his Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And that's something that can never be taken away. Our quarantine can't take that away. Trials can't take that away. Nothing can take that away. And so we can walk in the joy and the hope that knowing Jesus gives us abundant and eternal life. And I don't know about you, but that gives me so much peace as we go through these times of uncertainty. So we're going to spend just a minute praying together right now, just thanking God for, for what he's done and, and allowing and asking God to continue to meet the, the needs of our world and even our community. So I'm going to invite Pastor Matt Olszewski up on stage to pray with us as well. And uh, if you just want to bow your heads as you're sitting there and, and pray with us. God, we thank you for the power of the gospel. We thank you that your word is so applicable, written thousands of years ago, and yet directly applies to where we find ourselves here today. As David said, keep us safe, God. That's our prayer for our church, for the people that are watching, for our world. God, we want this pandemic to be over with. We want to go back to normal life. And yet in the meantime, we'll praise you, God. We'll worship you. And we'll press into what you're doing in our hearts. And Father, I, I thank you for the words of David where he says, all that is good comes from you. And I can already think of, of just the ways that I've been able to read your words in scripture and the way that we're about to sing songs, that these words have new meaning for us. We're experiencing the words that we sing and the words that we read in scripture in new ways. And that is such a gift, God, that it draws us closer to you. And God, it, it, it allows us to see the hope that we have in your son, Jesus. God, that he is risen from the dead and even his own words, God, that he talks about that we are going to experience much trouble in this life, but take heart, I have overcome the world. You're a God that has overcome this whole situation or anything we're experiencing right now. And so I pray that we would lean more into that, trusting, God, those very words of your son, Jesus. That's, that's what our hope is during this time. Amen, Lord. Lord, we think of those that are hurting. Lord, we think of those who are in seasons of questioning. God, we think of those who are so well connected with you. We think of our, our families. We think of our church family. We think of our communities. We think of, uh, of the people that are so near and dear to us. And God, our prayer for each one of them is that they would know you, trust you, rely on you, and be drawn to you. God, you can use anything, and you will and you do use even trials, God. And so in these moments, May we be people of peace, of love, of hope. God, thank you that you gave us the ultimate gift of hope in the gospel and sending your son 
to die and be risen to life for us. God, would we walk in that abundant, full life that you offer each and every one of us. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.